You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee. And I'm Evan Banks. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's December 7th. According to data released by the CDC last week, drug overdose deaths in the U.S. reached a record high in 2017. A majority of them, nearly 49,000, involved opioids of some kind. To address the opioid crisis in America, increasing access to medications like methadone and buprenorphine is essential. But given just how severe the crisis has become, there's urgency to evaluate other tools that might reduce the impact and save lives. A new report from RAND examines two possible interventions, heroin-assisted treatment and supervised consumption sites. Heroin-assisted treatment involves prescribing heroin to patients for injection under medical observation with optional take-home methadone. Evidence from other countries shows that this approach can offer benefits over methadone alone for people who have repeatedly tried traditional treatments for heroin use disorder but still inject heroin. According to the report, heroin-assisted treatment should be piloted and studied in the United States. Lead author Bo Kilmer explains that this approach isn't a silver bullet or a first-line treatment, but it has been shown to help stabilize the lives of some people who use heroin. The report also looked at supervised consumption sites, sometimes called drug consumption rooms or safe injection facilities. These are places where people can consume street drugs they've already purchased using sterile injection supplies. Trained staff are present to monitor for overdoses or risky injection practices, intervening when necessary. The report found that these sites can reduce the risk of a fatal overdose, as well as disease transmission and other harms associated with unhygienic drug use practices. But there is uncertainty surrounding the broader effects that supervised consumption sites may have. For both these interventions, RAND researchers suggest that it may be constructive to view them as examples of broader strategies to address the opioid crisis, and not as the only option of their kind. Recent events, like the mail bombs sent to Democratic leaders and mass shootings in Pittsburgh, Jeffersontown, Kentucky, and Thousand Oaks, California, have stoked fears of broad political violence in the United States. That threat is real, and it's growing. But fortunately, these kinds of violent acts are still rare in America. So the threat is not massive, says Rand's John Hollywood. And there are concrete steps that can be taken to reduce the risk of political violence. A good place to start is discouraging the motivations of potential attackers and the perceptions that political violence is legitimate. Leaders could do this by repeating that fearing people because of their ethnicity, religion, political party, or social grouping is wrong. They could also emphasize that violence against these groups is illegitimate and against American values. Leaders could also encourage authorities to hunt down individuals who are pursuing political violence especially when those individuals are nominally associated with their end of the political spectrum. During summer break, low-income and non-white students fall behind academically compared with their more affluent and white peers. A newly updated RAND report provides guidance for schools to plan and run summer programs that can help close this gap. The report covers a number of areas that are important to building effective summer learning programs. Here are just a few of the recommendations. Schools should start planning their summer programs no later than January. 
The program should run five to six weeks with three to four hours of academics each day. And schools should hire teachers who have grade level and subject matter experience. Last month, U.S. Customs and Border Protection personnel deployed tear gas to disperse migrants who were trying to claim asylum at the U.S. Mexico border. Many Americans saw the images of mothers and their children running away from the gas and were left wondering how the situation reached this point. Rand's Blas Nunez Nato says that one key reason is that under current law, the policy options are limited. The U.S. immigration system has been overwhelmed by a surge in asylum claims during the past five years, and the backlog of cases will continue to grow as a caravan of migrants reaches the border. Reportedly, the Trump administration is working with Mexico to require Central American asylum seekers to remain in Mexico while their cases are considered in the United States. But Nunez-Nato says that this process could be unwieldy for U.S. officials, and it could push migrants to cross the border unlawfully to claim asylum. The long-standing rivalry between China and Japan has intensified in recent years. China has stepped up its military activities near Japan, particularly around the Senkaku Islands. And Japan has responded by making military improvements to better defend what it views as its airspace. But a new RAND report finds that Japanese forces face major obstacles to matching China's air power. And Japan's current strategy to push back on China's increased activities may not be sustainable. To help improve the situation, the report's authors offer a number of ways the United States and Japan could work together to manage emerging challenges. U.S. and Japanese officials, for example, could exchange views on how Japan could respond quickly and effectively to scenarios that involve sudden large numbers of Chinese military aircraft near Japan. Gulf Coast communities are still rebuilding from the 2010 Deepwater Horizon disaster, and recovering from the less-talked-about Taylor energy spill may even be more daunting. Thousands of gallons of oil from that incident have been leaking into the Gulf every day since 2004. Rand's Melissa Finucane explains that overlapping environmental disasters like these make it much harder for devastated communities to rebuild their economies and infrastructure, to regain their mental and physical health, and to feel whole again. More resources are needed, but resources alone won't be enough, says Finucane. Smart and deliberate planning is essential to long-term recovery and to building resilience in the Gulf Coast region. Rand is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org/podcast. See you next week.